You are listening to a History Hub podcast. History Hub is based at the University College Dublin School of History. For more information and to access hundreds of podcasts, go to historyhub.ie. This podcast, delivered by Dr. Paul Rouse of UCD, discusses the life of Irish-American athlete Martin Sheridan. It's Twinford Railway Station on Friday the 31st of July, 1908. A young Irish emigrant jumps down onto the platform carrying a case with his clothes in it. He's back in Mayo and intent on travelling to his father's farm outside the nearby village of Bahola. His name is Martin Sheridan. He had emigrated at the age of 18 to America and now, nine years later, he works for the New York police. This is no typical emigrant journey home, however. When the train carrying Sheridan pulls into the town, the Swinford band begin playing See the Conquering Hero Comes and all the approach roads to the train station are thronged with people. Martin Sheridan wants to slip quietly home to see his family, but that's not easy when you have just won two gold medals in discus throwing and one long jump bronze at the Olympic Games. Those medals, won at the London Olympics, proved the crowning glory of Sheridan's career. By the time he retired from athletics, he had won five gold, three silver and one bronze medals at the Olympics. He had also created 16 world records in various track and field disciplines as well as winning multiple US championships. It was joked that he could play pitch and toss with his medals and never be concerned at losing a couple. Put simply, Martin Sheridan was the greatest all-round athlete of the age. Now though, his great challenge would be to make it through Swinford. He had told nobody that he was coming home, but news of his presence on the train had been wired from Dublin to Swinford. The news then spread like a prairie fire out across that town and out into the countryside. There was a public meeting, a banquet in the commercial hotel and a reception, all immediately organised. Photographs were taken of him holding the discus at various places, including at the back of Lamb's pub. And of course, he had to make a speech. That speech is still wonderful to read when you look at it now. It is laced with modesty and humour and even bits of politics. The fact that Ireland was an independent country, for example, he said, was an injustice which had to end. There was also the bitter regret that he had emigrated because there was no future before him in Ireland and that there seemed to be no future for any lad of his age to stay in Ireland. Mostly though, his words are a celebration of pride in coming from a rural area in County Mayo and conquering the world. I am once more with my own, he said, and I don't think there are 20 people in this room who are not related to me in some way or other. In many a hard-fought contest, When only inches lay between me and the prize, I have often thought of you, and these thoughts never failed to make me gird my energies and drive my Swinford blood coursing madly through my veins in my efforts to achieve victory. The wild applause in Swinford was at nothing compared to the reception in Bahola, where a magnificent open-air meeting was staged. His parents, Joe and Kitty, were there to hear Martin fated by, among others, the schoolteacher who had taught him his ABCs. The rest of August 1908 was a whirl. He did get moments of relaxation around home. He shot rabbits and wild ducks and swam regularly in the River Moy. But there was no long-term escape from his new celebrity. Everywhere that Martin Sheridan went that summer of 1908, he was met by huge crowds. The trains he took were stopped at every station to allow local people meet him and sing to him. In Dublin he was carried shoulder high from Broadstone train station to the Lord Mayor's carriage 
and on to our reception at the Gresham Hotel. He went down to Dungarvan in County Waterford to meet another outstanding Irish all-round athlete from those years, Tom Kiley, the Tipperary man. Kiley had won an Olympic medal as all-round champion, which is a sort of forerunner of the modern decathlon, in St. Louis in 1904. And Kiley had returned to America in 1906 and won the all-round world championship in that year. He had done so without defeating Sheridan, who had won the title himself in 1905, 1907 and 1909, but had been injured in 1906 and could not compete against Kylie. By 1908, Kylie was well into his 30s and was a ferocious competitor. He and Sheridan competed against each other across five events in Dungarvan. The contest was a brilliant one, which enthralled the crowd for an afternoon, and it ended in a draw. The men shook hands and resolved to continue the battle for supremacy on another day. Later, in August, Martin Sheridan also competed at a sports in Dundalk and, using the discus he had won with in London, broke the world record. His final sporting activity in Ireland came a few weeks later when he competed back in Mayo at the Ballina Sports. So great was the crush of the crowd that the men who were attempting to collect the entrance fee simply abandoned their posts. As one observer noted, one might as well seek to keep the tide out with a proverbial fork. The high point of the sports was a pole vaulting exhibition which Sheridan gave to thunderous applause. Three days later, on the 8th of September 1908, hundreds of people returned to Swinford to the train station to see Martin Sheridan off from his hometown. He headed to Queenstown, now Cove in County Cork, and took a Cunard Line ferry to New York, where he returned to work in the police department. He retired from athletics in 1911 at the age of 30, but progressed through the police ranks, becoming a detective, and then serving as special bodyguard to the governor of New York. On Saturday, the 23rd of March, 1918, a group of his friends organised a surprise party for him to celebrate his 37th birthday. The party never happened. Sheridan had been admitted to hospital the previous day, suffering from pneumonia. He rallied and slipped and rallied again, until five days later his condition deteriorated rapidly and he died on the 27th of March 1918. A huge crowd attended his funeral. Many worked with and many played with wept openly on the street. In the months and years that followed, medals and cups were named in his honour Monuments were erected in America and in Ireland, and his memory remained alive in song and verse. He was, as the inscription on his gravestone reads, an intrepid American, an ardent lover of his motherland, a peerless athlete, devoted to the institutions of his country and to the ideals and aspirations of his race. Thanks for listening to this History Hub podcast. Our podcasts are available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and many other podcasting apps, such as Podcast Republic. Please rate and review our channel as it helps others to find out about our work.